Hello. Hey. My name is Alex. And I'm Val. And we're here watching too much television. We sure are. I forgot that this was the name of an episode. Season four, episode seven. Right, of The Sopranos. This is an episode of The Sopranos, watching too much television. I um, was just complaining that before we did this watching and podcast Mm -hmm. that we watch too much television but we really only watch the sopranos we kind of only watch the sopranos because it kind of ruins everything else it really does what else are you gonna watch it all sucks (laughs) (laughs) we typically rotate back and forth between the wire and the sopranos yeah yeah typically at any given time we're just watching either of those for the umpteenth time and this episode is kind of like uh crossover episode speaking of the way of which yeah this is the most wire like sopranos episode i can think of we were saying that christopher was kind of like the wire but this is way more the wire way more yeah i feel like they're kind of like following that desire to kind of deal with like social issues the wire came out in 2002 yes but i don't know sopranos came out season four came out this season's also in 2002 it's interesting how both of those things could I would imagine they're probably, like, filming around the same time, you yeah. know? So it's interesting how both of these shows were kind of dealing with some of these issues that were dealt with in this episode. Yeah, it would be fascinating if the Sopranos showrunners had never seen The Wire, and that's just sheerly a coincidence. Because there there are a lot of similarities. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know when they would have been filming or whatever. Like, I, I don't know if that's even a possibility in the timeline mm-hmm. of creating TV shows, but... yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah. Um, but Sopranos also has this, like, interesting way of being kind of, like, prescient about things that are to come, too. So I wouldn't put it past them to kind of be examining a TV show realm that hadn't really been examined, but also was about to kind of come out and change the game at the same time. Yeah. No, that doesn't surprise me either. This is another one. This this episode is kind of like Christopher in some ways. In some ways, yeah. And... Yeah, I don't know. Like it, it really like this season definitely is focusing on this um, cultural identity piece, this racial identity piece. We're kind of coming back to some of the things that we visited a little bit in, in Christopher, right? These stereotypes that exist. But the thing that we're getting, well, and I don't know, actually, we got it in Christopher too. I guess the thing we're getting here is like how people can manipulate these systems and manipulate people in order to profit off of other people's you know kind of misfortune i guess in some ways and and then how also the characters rationalize that and still can feel like good people yeah well the the most interesting ones are are maurice and zelman yes i think because they really like they tell their backstory basically in this episode when they're sitting in the sauna they talk about you know that these like political or voting campaigns that they work together on and um, all these kind of good things they tried to do. And then we have that scene with them when they've both just gotten paid Mm -hmm. and they're walking away, right? And they're, um, you know, maybe the conversation happens earlier, but they kind of, they're like, you know, I have, I haven't written down. Well, there's multiple conversations. And the thing that was interesting for me. Are we the only honest men? Are we supposed to be the the only honest men? Just after they get paid, they walk out of the office and they have that conversation. Yeah. But that's an interesting conversation because there's kind of this line to follow from Tony to Zalman to Maurice of people rationalizing mm. their bad actions well, and kind of 7, handing it off to the other yeah. person. So originally Tony 
going to Zelman and basically saying, oh, so we'll take the 7,000 out of your end. And basically he has rationalization for why it's not his problem. And then Zelman goes to Maurice and he's mm -hmm. rationalizing. And Maurice actually calls him on it. He actually says, quit rationalizing. It's about the $7,000. Mm -hmm. So he's actually standing up for the principles of the thing. But then he goes ahead and hires some young kids. to. But then he does it. And then he has a rationalization in the end. So he's actually corrupted yeah. when the, by the by the time the episode finishes. And he says, We're, are we supposed to be the only honest guys? Yeah. It's a good question. It, yeah, and you can see how people are corrupted. Yeah. But it's also kind of like a faulty examination of the whole issue. I mean, of course, there are honest people out there, and you have the opportunity to be an honest, good person and do the right thing and not manipulate the system and basically be responsible for having people shot and you know, thrown out of their home through violence. And, and I mean, home is kind of a, <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, I don't know. For me, this episode talks a lot about like the lies that people tell yes. and the manipulations that people do. And so like, I think it also brings, like it also calls to mind for me, the fact that there's these manipulations happening on all levels of our lives, right? So there's these like personal manipulations that are happening. And then there's these larger like government sized manipulations that are going on. Yeah. And so that it is, it is hard to be, you know, like if you, if you stand out, I can't think of a single character who does stand out as this person in Soprano world. Like who is the only honest person in Sopranos? Almost nobody. I, I mean, I occasionally. Think, I think definitely nobody. Well, I think there there are times where we will point out, like, somebody doing the right thing, but it's very, very rare. Like, maybe, like, I can think, I'm thinking of, like, one or two times we've seen an example of somebody who, like, breaks the cycle of something. Yeah. And I, I can't, and nothing's even coming to mind right now because it's so rare. Yeah. So I think, like, I think that's a really key point for The Sopranos. I think. To be fair, it's also a key point for the wire. <laughs> um, yeah, no, there's, there and... was, yeah, there was a few things like that kind of trajectory from Tony of mm -hmm. kind of like passing down the buck through people. I don't know. Mm -hmm. There was like these like connection points and seeing how somebody's actions can impact somebody else. Like we've examined Tony psychologically to know that he often does project these things onto other people. And there's even like multiple cases in this episode, like when he's with Melfi and he's addressing his anger over like knocking over the tissue holder and he's like well i picked it up mm -hmm. like he has a way of not owning up for the things that he does that are wrong and yeah, so it was interesting for me to see how that passes from him as a character to zelman to maurice it kind of like filters through people so as we normally focus on tony as kind of the center of this show it kind of now is expanding into this broader world and and affecting the kind of social order yeah, no, I, I definitely see what you mean. I think there's something larger for Tony in this episode when it comes to that, though, because of what we have him do to Zelman at the end of the episode. Yeah. And so I think that there is something like he can deal with Zelman being a not honest assemblyman throughout yeah their whole kind of like careers together. But it's when, it's not that like he was dishonest with Tony. He was actually really upfront with Tony about yeah. dating Irina and like came to him and wanted to talk to him about it. But that that's like a, a more egregious kind of thing to do to Tony, right? Like Tony would have never, um, Tony can't 
brush that one aside and like, yeah. you know, they're not on the same team on that one or something. So it's like if someone else is, um, I don't, again, I don't want to call it dishonest, but if someone else's like poor behavior impacts you poorly, that's the only time where you're really like affronted by it. Mm. And we see that with like the people who are living in the house that's been bought by the dick doctor. And, um, you know, like we see the impact of these schemes and everything on others. And we can imagine the impacts of a lot of these other events that take place within this show. But when it happens to Tony, he's really like he can't deal with that. He can't deal with it on his end. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, where do you, what do you want to talk about? Well, how about the title? Uh, watching yeah. too much television. For me, that was an interesting one because typically um, there's multiple multiple interpretations of the title and they kind of filter into the episode in a lot of different ways. For me, like that title links most strongly to Adriana and the television that she's watching a lot in this episode. I mean, only twice. No, I think there's even more. Like she's, and also like in the previous episode, she's kind of around like watching some weird show. Like she's clearly like in a bit of a funk. Like she's in a kind hmm. of like a spiral. And then I think that the television aspect to her, she's watching that show and they say like big reveal, like, but we're married. We can't testify. Mm-hmm. Like the way that that scene is treated, there's almost like two levels to it. Like she's watching the show and then that kind of like, changes her decision making and they zoom really and her trajectory and then they very very slowly zoom into her face with like string pads going on it's like well i think it's the music from the tv show slash movie yeah Yeah, but it's like mood music and it's like way 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 overdone and it's it's funny because i think there is this like heightened drama that actually makes it kind of fake yeah and that adriana is investing her hopes for how she can get out of the situation in basically a fantasy Mm. And something that is dramatic, mm. it's drama, and isn't really grounded. Like, even when she talks to her friend, and her friend is like, oh, well, the murder she wrote says that that's not actually true. And then, obviously, like in Sopranos, as it always is, when she goes to meet the lawyer, it's much more complicated than a simple black and white, and that she could solve right. her problem through doing something. Right. Well, the only... So, to go back to the, the title, like, the only other time she's watching TV is with later on in the episode with the A-Team, which... I think it's like unrelated to this other thing, but it is related to kind of like the racial tension because mm-hmm. the A-team is this like multiracial right. super team. <laughs> yeah. um, Just I, like Zelman, Maurice, and Tony. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know why that, I don't know why it's relevant to Adriana necessarily. Like I don't, you know, obviously you can make that mm-hmm. connection with the first time she's watching television in this episode to how that impacts her decisions that are made throughout the hour of the show whatever throughout Mm -hmm. the episode yeah but i don't i don't really get that connection later on with the a-team and i i don't i don't know i don't really know about the watching too much television Mm -hmm. title and who else like i i've rarely seen a sopranos title that just like applies to like the fact that adriana was watching television right no it's an interesting one it was just something that kind of caught my attention because i mean for me like that scene where I mean, that was a pivotal scene, I think, for Adriana as a character where she feels that she can solve this film by being married. And that actually is one of the few instances where the plot is pushed forward. Mm -hmm. And and when I think about the form of season four, like what's happening in this episode, basically it's kind of another standalone episode with this 
scam that mm. they start and finish in the episode. Mm. I mean, I guess Irina's back, but that kind of starts and finishes too. Mm-hmm. It's not really pushing the narrative forward. Right. But Adriana has this idea and that pushes forward them getting married, which is relevant to the bigger picture. Right. But it's st- it's stemming from not a sophisticated grasp of the material, right? And she's kind of getting it from television. Like, that's kind of her yeah, source. Yeah, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else in this episode that links to that. But I can't. Well, that's I the thing really. to me. Like, it doesn't – yeah, it doesn't seem like there's that much. Yeah. That's why, okay. for me, I wanted to kind yeah. of talk okay. to you about it just because, for me, the watching too much television links most to Adriana. And I, well, I was yeah, yeah, thinking no. of how it did to others. And it, it didn't seem like that's what it was about. Yeah, I but can't think of Then something. again, they are very smart, and maybe I can't just – I just don't see it. They're way smarter than us. Well, yeah. and this – the team on this episode was huge. Yeah, and that's interesting too. Like, the story was basically all the key writers, including yeah, David Chase. David Chase. And then written by uh, Terrence Winter and Nick Satura, and then directed by John Patterson. So that's like a pretty strong that team for the them. Tel- Those are the senior. The teleplay was written, and then the story was by everyone. Green – Burgess, yeah, David Chase, all the all the people, um, Terrence Winter, yeah, John Patterson was directing, yeah, and so usually when that happens, it's a key kind of episode. Yes, I don't know that I see this episode that way, this way in particular. You know, uh, how do I say it? Like differently than I see most other episodes. That's like the one time where I've kind of been surprised by that, that there wasn't like a more, but I guess it's kind of like Christopher. I don't know. Like there is this um, a little bit more like over your head messaging going on. Yeah, totally. Hitting you over the head messaging yeah. going on. Yeah, I feel like they're kind of going for something new. Like this this concept of the irony of Tony being critical of handouts, because that comes out a lot. Right. From Ralphie, from Tony. Man, there's more handout programs. Tony yeah. saying all these things about, you know, hard work and then basically straight up, you know, manipulating mm-hmm. these HUD programs to steal mm-hmm. money from the government is like the chief irony that's happening here, that mm-hmm. they're so unaware of their actions and how it impacts society. And yet they can still be critical and rationalize you know, their own beliefs that basically just benefit them is is really, like, at the core of this episode for right. me. Right, Yeah. The other thing, like, the other thing to me is how people kind of perceive others' manipulation of them. And mm-hmm. so, like, Tony says to Melfi in this episode that she lied to him about Gloria, right? And she, and Melfi says back, um, you know, that she was, she, she didn't disclose it, right? Yeah. Like, and then we also have Chris saying to Adriana, like, that she lied about, like, he was like, how could right. you lie to me? Yeah. And, and I think that's the thing for, and, and clearly she didn't, she omitted it. It was an omission. Yeah. Right. But I don't know, for me, there is this other element of it. Like, I think, like, definitely the handouts and, like, commenting on that kind of social commentary. But I think it is just, like, about how we can fool people into or I don't I don't even know how to say it yeah. like kind of the manipulations that take place throughout and and maybe like maybe that's the link to watching too much television is like television is typically this kind of facade or I don't know like it's it's not reality right it's showing things in a way that isn't real and so I think like when like with this episode and with Christopher the episode for example I think 
it's kind of playing with that as well. Like it is kind of, this episode was also kind of like hyper dramatic and mm-hmm. weird. Like and we have like non-diegetic music and we have these weird zooms and we have these weird fades. Um, I think they're kind of playing with that concept of the things we see on television right as as manipulations right and so they're kind of playing with that totally that medium in that way yeah definitely i agree i agree with that and then we have like just you know again speaking of tv we have dr freed yeah come back and i'm positive that on previous viewings of this show which i've seen it like now a lot of times i don't think i recognized him as the dick doctor but i did this time Congratulations. Thank you. Good dick doctor sighting. And, but he, of course, had his kind of like TV persona, right? And he's this kind of, this almost fake doctor, I feel like. He's not even a real doctor. He's like a TV doctor. He's the one for people who don't watch The Sopranos a trillion times. Um, We were talking about in a previous podcast, there's an episode where, well, he's shown up in the executive game, but then later Mm -hmm. he's like filming his ad. And then he's and we see him on set, and then we see that from multiple perspectives, where it becomes apparent that it actually he really is on a set as he films an ad for his practice, and now he shows up again. Yeah, involved in this grand scheme. Yeah, totally. I was interested in the scene where Tony takes AJ to the church. Mm -hmm. I thought that that was an interesting one, where he's talking about things like again getting back to the kind of focus on social issues and the Mm -hmm. and the hypocrisy of tony's Mm -hmm. political beliefs where tony's talking about this neighborhood used to be beautiful and he talks about responsibility and building something and then there's some rather heavy-handed moves for the sopranos but for me it works where after you see the opposite side of the street where you see the kind of falling apart housing i think it's kind of aj's point of view that was my perspective on that Mm. like as he's on that side of the car right and as Tony's talking, he kind of looks to that side, and then our our view changes to the view of like the trash outside the apartment right. units, not to the side of the church. Right. Interesting. Anyways, yeah. That's just how I. And heard. then there's an edit to the houses that they're actually buying, which yes. again, by Soprano standards, rather heavy-handed to make those connections after yes. they're talking about it outright. But I like it. It's it's good, and they are entering that kind of realm of kind of tackling these issues head on. But for me, it's it's the, really the theme of Tony is talking about the importance of building something and honoring the work of their ancestors and kind of putting that up on a pedestal. But the reality is that all t- Tony does is he loots. It's, so it's really like the action of looting versus building. Yeah, and for some reason he's there near the end of the episode when Vito and his buddies are taking out all the copper piping. Right. I don't know why Tony. Yeah, why would is he need there? That seems risky. That. If he couldn't stay he's in like the steam bath. He's like drinking coffee. <laughs> I know. It's sometimes I'm like, why is like he's just there for convenience? Like it's also one of those moments in Sopranos, which usually is so true to life, where like. Zalman sees Tony driving down the street when he's doing something completely right. different on his job. Right. But, <laughs> you know, but yeah, you know, <laughs> like he does. He That's all he does is he takes advantage of opportunities and he loots what's there for the taking. Yeah. And I mean, there's no building like Tony isn't involved in the construction of anything. He just tears it down. Yeah. And I think I guess he kind of owns construction companies, kind of. But all he really does with them is no shows. Yeah. And, you know, and no works. Yeah. Which is. Oh, I didn't know there was a difference. 
Oh, of course there's a difference between no-shows and no-works. Oh, sorry. We don't need to go into it, I guess. We can go you into can it. You can tell in, me later. In, okay, in further podcasts, we can yeah. talk about it. We can devote whole podcasts You can just tell difference. me later on after we finish watching, yeah. talking in this podcast. It was also interesting because AJ and Tony are having this father-son moment. There's fishing rods. They had just been fishing. fishing rods, right. And Tony is talking about... Um, how you know I'm your father I'm imparting wisdom as your father you know listen to me but then with the only like real like rise we see out of AJ where he actually like really responds is when Tony is making fun of the man of the guy's sister yeah he's like proud of Tony he's like yeah. laughing at him and like thinking he's a tough guy Tony's like offending her you know he says like yeah. you blew your father and AJ like laughs. you know like laughs and then you know he kind of follows suit and he says like oh that's a crack whore but like that's really making a mockery of the family institutions that Tony is supposedly putting up there for AJ. Right. He's talking about you know the importance of being a father, and then making fun of this person's father immediately after, and that's what AJ actually responds to. Yeah, and then it is interesting that scene where Tony doesn't really respond right when the guy shows his gun. Yeah. And he's like, "This is our neighborhood now," and Tony, this expression comes across James Gandolfini's face. And he's kind of, he says, I can see that. Right. And they drive away, right? He's not confrontational with them at that point. Mm-hmm. AJ kind of, that's when AJ then tosses out that comment, like, was that a crack whore or whatever, whatever he says. <laughs> right. um, but it's interesting, like, he, and then he brings that up in Melfi's office later on. He's like, this guy was assaulting us or whatever, and I didn't even respond. Yeah. So it's. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, what else do you have? I don't know. I wanted to talk about a little bit more about Adriana. Mm-hmm. I wanted to talk a little bit more about belts. Belts, yeah. I wanted to talk about drugs. Drugs, yeah. Horse. A horse. I wanted to talk about the music in this episode. Okay. Um, I think that's... Let's start. That's your your it. choice. Let's talk about drugs. Okay. So I think we definitely do see Christopher's drug problem getting a lot worse. Mm-hmm. And the agents who work with Adriana definitely, like, try... They, they try to use that against her, you know? Like, they, they try to really focus on that for whatever whatever yeah. like whatever their kind of tactic is at at, the, at that point to like kind of try to turn Adriana against Christopher is clearly not working. Yeah. Right? Like they they're like, you know, he's on drugs, he was in New York with these yeah. people. They try to like get her to doubt him or turn on him and she really doesn't. Yeah. With the drug thing they're not really getting her either. You can see, though, like, I feel like it's implied that they're attacking Adriana for her drug use, too. Totally. Yeah, where they say, you know, like, how is Christopher's drug problem? And then how, she how faces her. Yeah. And then San Severino faces straight to, to Adriana and she says, how are you? Yeah. And there's kind of this pause and it's kind of implied that she's asking about her drug problem. Yeah. But I think it's interesting, like, in that scene where they're all sitting around. They're such, I mean, like, whatever. I guess the FBI are good people, but... <laughs> These guys are jerks, and that scene Not where they Not Agent Harris. I like Agent Harris. Even him. He, he <laughs> says something really mean, and I forget what it was. Like, oh, about, like, 
like Darwin or something like that, like weeding out like when they say when they when Danielle discloses Danielle slash whatever her name actually is um, discloses that Adriana can't have kids. Right. Oh, not he like natural selection. Maybe that was the boss. Anyways, no, he he was mean. Agent Harris was mean. <laughs> You're over. Usually it. I like him, but he was really mean on this episode. But they kind of take another tack, right? They're deciding on whether or not it's they should be like supportive slash neutral, right? About her marrying Christopher, and they go through all these um, benefits and you know of whether she marries him or not. Yeah, and. Then they decide, like, oh, great. Like, they have our blessing. And it's almost like they're cheersing with champagne like they do in the rest of the episode, right? They're sitting there, like, drinking Cokes. But it's, you know, they're – they've come up with this new way to manipulate. Totally, yeah. And there were some things, too, like, in terms of referencing Danielle's relationship with Adriana. Like, when she had the line, like, what's wrong with this girl about her marrying – marrying christopher tall, dark, it's like and sociopathic that kind of like for me like completes the character that she was just completely fabricating this relationship with yeah. her because it did seem believable yeah. to me at least and i feel like us as as an audience yeah but it really is like she just has like no relationship to her and yeah. it was just completely made and then of course like we have so we have christopher and adriana using drugs right and but then we see these the people who live in the houses that Tony or Dr. Freed just bought mm-hmm. right and we see that side of kind of like the drug trade slash drug use and we see how it can really be like depending on your perspective it can be really construed in different ways like there's such a history of like racism involved in the drug wars mm-hmm. right like when you talk about like cocaine versus crack cocaine right. for example right so you see how this really um like chris's drug use of heroin um he comes from this like other more privileged perspective where um he's still like I don't know, respected by his colleagues and stuff like this, right? I mean, he's sitting in his car getting high. Um, and then we see, you know, these other people who are using whatever right. they're using and selling and, like, the life that they lead just based, just based on, like, where they were born kind of thing mm-hmm. and who and who they are. So I think, anyways, like, the drug, the drug thing continues to get yeah, worse. Yeah, like, that connection no between Christopher and the people in those houses. Yeah. yeah exactly. And just, like, the level of, like, you know, being manipulated or being um, threatened. Yeah. There's, I don't know, there's, I, I can't quite put my finger on it, but there is some kind of link between the two of them. Yeah. No, absolutely. Well, how do we interpret their drug use and how do the characters around them mm-hmm. deal with it? Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting mm-hmm. because, yeah, we maybe see them differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had so many things. Well, you had so many points there. Let's go to the next okay. one. Well, I don't know. I was going to talk about belts. Mm-hmm. So I, there's a lot of belts. I feel like there's been a lot of references to belts. And yeah. So, and also... Excuse me. Also, seeing belts. So we talked last, or not, we didn't talk about it really, but last episode it was mentioned that Gloria was hanging from her belt. Mm-hmm. That's how she killed herself. And then we have a, we have Tony, of course, beating Zelman right. with a belt in this scene. And we also have Chris using a belt 
for when he's mm-hmm. injecting heroin in his car, he's using a belt to constrict his blood flow around his arm. Yes. We also have Tony putting on his belt when he's talking to Zellman earlier, kind of connecting those two scenes. Right. In the change room. So I don't know what that is. Like belts, I don't know. They hold up our pants. Like I just, I'm trying Well, I think to... it's also like for me, it's, Tony was clearly very affected by Gloria dying. And yeah. maybe there's an aspect of him attacking Zellman as like taking that out on someone mm-hmm. because he was incapable. He wasn't there. He feels responsible for Gloria's death. It's mm-hmm. like getting some of that power back to use mm-hmm. it against somebody else or something. Yeah. Well, belts like belts are like belts have a history of violence. I know that's like a yeah. strange thing to say about belts, but they do. <laughs> right. Welcome to the belt podcast yeah. where we talk about all things belt. We hope you enjoy. We love belts. Yeah. Belts. They're great. And anyway, but like, you know, like they're you, they are used in the way that Tony used it today like Mm -hmm. especially when they focus on like him hitting zelman on his butt with the belt i don't know there's like a real focus on on that yeah there's definitely again there's something like being a father or something and i think there is like a power dynamic that tony wants interestingly about that scene i was trying to remember the interview i'm almost positive it was terrence winter there's an interview with him and he references this episode I'm sorry if it wasn't Terrence Winter, but I'm pretty sure. Um, you can go searching for it and let us know. But Well, how are they going to search for it if it's not Oh, my not God. Terrence they'll Winter. find it, I believe, okay. in the Sopranos community. Okay. But um, it's talk about how they knew as writers that, like, Tony Soprano – or he knew that Tony Soprano would respond to knowing that Irina was – with Zellman like this, with violence, and mm. that he would go and beat the guy up, basically. Mm. And that the idea wasn't really, like, accepted at first. Mm. That it was, like, a little, like, really? Like, what? That seems kind of strong. Mm. But, again, I'm, Terrence was saying, like, <laughs> almost <laughs> definitely Terrence. first name basis. Yeah, me and Terrence were talking. And um, from growing up around people like this, like, around the New Jersey kind of, like, mob types, that... There was just, like, a knowledge that that is how Tony would respond to this, like, as this kind of, like, New Jersey tough guy. And so it was interesting to actually see it after having seen that interview and just thinking that Tony is this kind of, like, rough person who can't take that. And there's also something more basic, that he's just the kind of person who would respond to seeing his ex-girlfriend by beating up the guy. Like, that's just who he is. And it's a reminder for us of who Tony Soprano is and that that's the kind of person he is. Yeah, I'm still thinking about belts. And I really do think this is a great idea for a new podcast belts. to do it about belts. Yeah. But, Black um, belts, studded belts, leather um, belts. Belts are constricting. Yes. <laughs> you got, belts are. <laughs> you got your long belts. got your. No, but there's something. Anyway, I can't, like, belts are. <laughs> Suspenders. <laughs> Belts are not suspenders. You pick okay, one or the I'm other. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's another podcast. You have podcast. to pick one or the other. Okay. That's a suspenders podcast. No, but there there is a lot, and there's like this connective tissue, and clearly, whenever anything shows up in this show multiple times, once. it is worth thinking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing that's showing up just before we move on to something else, just in terms of Adriana, in terms mm-hmm. of Christopher, in terms of drugs and belts, he's. I didn't realize. I think in past viewings, how much he's obsessed with. Like, again, like I said last episode, I think, like, his obsession, his saying, like, Tony did something really big for me or whatever. But then it's kind of shifted his obsession with, like, his bloodline, right? So he is, like, really, I mean, the scene with him and Adriana is super hard to watch. Yeah. 
when he's you know like that is you, a hard like, scene he calls her damaged goods and you know he's like you lied to me and he storms out and, yeah um so he's really obsessed with his bloodline and i think that goes back into kind of this like talking about fathers and belts absolutely also yeah i think so for sure and i think that's that's a really good point I thought that was an interesting scene, too, like right before it happens in terms of some of the things that the scene is able to imply just about Adriana's manipulation to bring up the marriage. There are some things I love just in the writing that's so subtle, like right away there's the candles we can see. Christopher says, good dinner, baby. So, again, this like usage of food for Adriana mm. to then bring up something She's that she wants. She's wearing a great outfit. Wearing a great outfit. What is it? It's What's like great? a black leather miniskirt and a crop top. Oh, she likes that. So... Yeah, so the fact that Adriana has this agenda and then she's making a dinner, a special dinner for Christopher, and then she plans to bring it up, even though it's seemingly off the cuff. Like, again, using food as manipulation, like we've seen Carmela doing, like we've talked about in previous episodes. Also, like, she talks, <laughs> it's a weird scene, but where she talks about, like, and your wife can't testify against you in court, and then, like, moves and, her like, foot winks. over. No, she moves her foot over to his crotch. Oh, yeah. It's like, Again, she's, like, using this, like, sexual manipulation to kind of, again, like, get this idea of, out about wives not being able to testify against mm. their husbands. I'm surprised he wasn't, like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I'm surprised right. he wasn't, like... Well, I think she's, like, a little bit... <laughs> she's a little bit un, uneven right now. Like, there has been these times where Christopher's saying, like, you're saying all this negative shit because she is putting out things because she has so much that she's keeping to herself. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. Um, just, again, to kind of wrap up Adriana. Yeah. Um, she goes wedding dress shopping, so they do decide to get married, and she wears really weird gloves with oh, her I didn't wedding notice. dress. <laughs> just to say that. What about her belt? She wasn't wearing a belt. Oh, okay, no belt. And she also has her wedding shower, which for some reason Meadow is, like, front and center beside her. I didn't Also know wearing a I, very strange outfit. A strange outfit. I didn't know they were that close. They're best friends they're not that's not part of this show um we have a few shots of cosette barking at christopher when Mm -hmm. he enters the space yeah just to keep in mind yeah love cosette and yeah what else do you i i just have the music thing Mm -hmm. which music well there's kind of two scenes that had strange music for me the first one was when they were in the changing room after yeah. this after the steam bath sauna whatever yeah. they were doing together the russian bath and this music kind of comes out of nowhere like Zelman's, yeah Zelman's this is the shy just, lights yeah music, yeah Zelman's it is strange told why... tony or told Tony this information and then it like crops up and there wasn't music beforehand i know why would the steam baths be playing this music i, I like this I, music but i don't know so i just wanted to point that out and then we have Tony, when he's driving later on, and he's he seems pretty wasted, and he's driving, and then he makes that decision to go and beat up Zelman. Yeah. We have that music from his car playing over the whole rest of the episode. Right. So again, like I kind of mentioned this kind of more dramatic um, 
non-realistic kind of feel to this episode. It's interesting, but then it's also mixed with realism, right? Like it is source music, but then the realism is still suspended because it doesn't really make sense. Yeah, the one at the beginning makes less sense, the one in the the Russian bath. We kind of accept it, and it's actually like referenced in their conversation, but it's interesting, right? Like they use diegetic music. Yeah, and why do they reference it? Because it's real and it's making mm, it, but then there is this kind of like, you have to kind of question the television to be like, wait a minute, that's fucking weird. I guess so, yeah. No, I know, but like it's it's really weird how they talk about that piece of music, and I can't figure that out. Mm-hmm. And then the fact at the end that this piece of music is has moved Tony to be so emotional that he needs to go beat up Selman. I yeah. don't know. We also have a couple weird like fade outs and fade ins. Like actually, at the beginning of the episode, we have this fade in. Mm-hmm. Where they, like, you can like kind of hear laughter before you see anything. Mm. And then it's Polly's party and Polly's back and Polly's back. talking as much as ever. And <laughs> and then at the end, we have this fade out with the music still playing. Um, and Irina's there, mm-hmm. you know, kind of not caring about Zalman lying on the floor. Or is she? Hmm. It's complicated. It's, I don't know if I was going to say it's nice to see Irina again, but there she is. <laughs> <laughs> She's also going to language classes. She's doing very well. She is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I talking about, like, the zoom-ins and stuff, I love – I mean, so John Patterson is directing this, who typically does season finales. He's done a lot of the season mm-hmm. finales for this show. Um, I love some of the camera work, actually. Like, it's, it's yeah. amazing. Like, some of the way that they – there's a lot of movement that's really cool. There's, yeah, a number of shots just where, like, they'll let somebody kind of, like, walk into a room and then they'll kind of like spin the camera around. It's like someone's walking and the camera moves in the other direction as they're walking, but also turns at the same time. Yeah, it's cool. They use like these like slow fades on Adriana and then like, and other characters as well. Like it seems very purposeful. And then there's also a lot of fades on and focus on houses. Right. Which is interesting because... We have a lot of characters going to houses. Yeah, and we see them, like, entering the houses. And I think that we we focus on the houses of these players in this HUD scam, of Maurice, of Zellman. And I think that there's a connection there between where they live mm-hmm. and between their manipulation mm-hmm. of the system and manipulating what's supposed to be providing houses for people who are less fortunate. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, that's that's a really interesting thing. And again, kind of playing into the, like, these are the players who are profiting off of this looting and then here is where they live which is obviously much more you know desirable and affluent yeah well and they yeah they both have nice houses i mean zalman's house he has like a piano with a chopin yeah book on it and yeah. some P- picasso looking art prints mm-hmm. um, he's got some alcohols he's got alcohol he has irena's shoes then we have Maurice's house, which is like all like wood paneling, and they clearly have like a study. Yeah. That he went into, or the, I guess they called it the den. But yeah. It was all wood paneled. Yeah. Nice houses. Yeah, I thought it was also cool. A cool shot when the like cleanup crew, these like these youth, come to get everybody out of the buildings. The first shot we see is this guy who is grabbing bottles and then like into a bag to sell them. Which is just like really subtle. And then he's the kind of crazy guy who says, I said crack was some bad shit at the end. Yeah. But the way that they start that off, that there's like somebody disconnected from this who is there and kind of like impacted by this action who isn't actually doing drugs. It's just kind of like not only setting the scene of this environment and this community, but also kind of, I don't know, for me, like a very 
interesting kind of suggestion of the people who are doing work even if it is that on that kind of scale they actually are like doing something to collect these bottles to change it in for money that they're not all like just taking handouts or whatever yeah no it's true that that everybody is blaming everybody there for we um we also have um a continuation of the soap opera of furio and carmela and miss soap miss soap miss soap carmela soap Oh, yeah. Miss Soap. That's right. We see Furio call her, mm-hmm. and it's raining, and for some reason he needs his... He thinks that he should talk about his sunglasses. Yeah. And she doesn't have them, and he says that she looks pretty in a picture. And then the next time we see him, he's over it. Well, <laughs> is he, though? She's not. He's, you know what's interesting, actually? That's another example of two characters where we have those zoom-ins, like yeah. I was talking about with Adriana. Furio gets a zoom-in, yeah. Car- and um, Carmela gets a zoom-in. Yeah. I don't think he is over it. I think he just realizes the danger he's in. I think he, it's the opposite. I think he's not over I don't, it. I think we he's don't, into I guess it. we don't see him realize the danger he's in. No, I think it's that, he, I mean, he is obviously attracted to her. And for me, like, that scene where he's calling her is implying that. He has no reason to call her. It's not really about having her look for this thing that he left mm-hmm. there. No, it's, it's about well, he put it. He put his sunglasses in his um, glove compartment before he called her. It's crazy. What a manipulator! Oh, everybody's manipulating. Furio is so not over it. But I mean, I don't know. The scene where then he comes and is weird. I don't. Well, no. I. I mean, I think he recognizes his attraction to Carmela, and he knows that that can't be a thing. Yeah. And so he's just distancing himself to protect everybody. Yeah. To protect himself. and Brian should distance himself. But now he's that sweet watch. He's got a sweet watch. He's got Tony's drill. Yeah, which in season five, Tony will be looking for. He gave good advice (laughs) on what Tony should do, but he went to this crazy Polly welcome back party. Yep. Yeah. Wasn't he doing blow off of strippers? Probably. (laughs) He's going nuts. Yeah. No, he was licking something off of a okay. stripper's boob. Okay. <laughs> salt, salt for his tequila, salt. I think. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, a couple other small things for me. Yeah. Uh, we have Adriana and San Severino when they meet. Right. It's in this kind of like card store and she even like pulls up this card. It was for me, it was very similar to Big Pussy and that Elvis impersonator, mm-hmm. which for me was kind of full of danger. Like this idea of. We know what happened to Big Pussy. And when he met Elvis, that led to horrible things. Like Big Pussy was so kind of off put by seeing somebody that he knew that he actually went and killed him. But then there's kind of this connection and this connective tissue of where the FBI is meeting their current informants. That makes it feel dangerous for me. Right. So I thought that was interesting. Also, she's creepy, Agent San Sanse- Severino. Yeah. I like when Adriana's like, you should get a haunted house or something. <laughs> <laughs> she should. Yeah. Um, I thought it was there was another interesting kind of connective tissue thing with um, Christopher when he's having this fight with Adriana and he says, you know, my kid, what if we adopt, we're gonna have someone with chinky eyes called Multisanti, which like, refers like to that... season two, episode one, yeah. where the first, actually, like the very first yeah, thing we see is scene. like a pause, and then we see Multisanti, and there's you know an Asian person who's pretending to Maybe be. Maybe that's their future child. Maybe. But for me, for me, what it's really about is like the lack of awareness of manipulating these systems, like having principles when you blatantly break them and you 
have principles about how society should run, but you are responsible for the downfall. You know what I mean? I do. Yeah. Um, otherwise, yeah, Tony and Melfi, like when he was kind of upset and basically passing things off to her and saying, you picked up the tissue holder. Just before when Melfi is saying, I want to talk about your violence or and you know about your, your outbreak. And your outbreak. <laughs> your, you know, your outrage. Yeah. <laughs> but Tony is saying, didn't you get the flowers I sent? Yeah. And, you know, and, and basically, and it's funny because we've just seen in a previous episode, Tony getting flowers for Carmel and sitting there alone with them. Seeing into Tony as a character, as somebody who thinks that he can solve problems by getting people flowers. Yeah. I also like his reaction that scene. Like, she's kind of going off and then he looks like perplexed and he's like, didn't you get the flowers? Yeah. Like, it's the way he says it, too. He's like, hold on. I thought we were good here. <laughs> I sent exactly. you flowers. Yeah. Yeah. That's not how it works, Tony. So next time you have an outbreak, <laughs> flowers won't cut it. Mm. Um, I love belts. They're so... <laughs> I love them. I love belts. We shouldn't do podcasts so late at night. It's okay. We like to. So we... thank you for listening. Um, see you next time. See you next time. I'm Alex. And I'm Val. And we'll see you next time. And please rate and review our podcast. We would it's, love that. Um, it's a popular time for Sopranos right yeah, now. Yeah, 20 year anniversary. This month, it's January 2019 right now. And if you like this and you've listened to this whole episode about belts, then <laughs> send us a message. Yeah, uh, please rate and review us in the belt store. <laughs>